0: Have a seat, everyone in this room. Good morning, everyone joining us online. I was scrolling through the chat. We've got a lot of states and communities represented. We've got South Dakota represented. I heard last week there was a family from Delaware. If you're joining us again, welcome to the Eagle community. We've got, of course, our local communities: Zionsville and Whitestown and Lebanon and Brownsburg and all these other communities around but we're grateful that technology can keep us connected and we're grateful to have our seniors and graduates here so let me extend my congratulations parents Families, what a great threshold moment this is. We have, I think, 20 of you in the room today as graduates, and we've got even more who weren't able to make it. I think Ian told me the total graduating class is like 24 graduates, so extending, maybe some of you are watching online. And our prayer today is that this would be a moment that would be a blessing to you as a graduating senior and to you as a family in the midst of so many subtractions and disappointments this spring. That maybe today and via the live stream, maybe some of your extended family were able to tune in and experience what is such a significant moment in your lives. And so, If you have a Bible with you, I'd like you to open it up to Acts chapter 2. You can pull out your phones. Those of you joining online, you can get the message notes there in the chat room as well. And hey, Eagle Kids crew, this is your time. Like if you need like some more like age-appropriate teaching, there's a link that's being pushed to you. You can fire up that while this uh, message is going on. That might be a way you can stay a little more dialed in. And I think mom and dad, you're probably all into that routine. But if you're newer, there are some kid-appropriate materials available to you, Well, today's Pentecost Sunday, and when I thought about only God could align Pentecost Sunday with Graduation Sunday for this class, there couldn't be a better alignment for graduates, I believe, because we've been working through what we're calling the Paschal Mystery of Jesus. So those of you who have been staying with us in the Eagle community, we've been looking at these five movements of Jesus' life, even after he was resurrected, there was this stage So we were identifying with crucifixion, naming our deaths, and then resurrection, claiming our births. And then we were moving into the 40 days, which is the period of time where he was waiting to come, where we were grieving our losses and adjusting to a new reality. And that led us to last week where we looked at the ascension of Jesus, right? Remember the ascension where that's where the place where you don't, you will kind of want to resist the clutching and grasping and clinging to what used to be because you're not going to be able to grab a hold of what will be. And that brings us to this morning, the fifth movement in the Paschal mystery of Jesus. Paschal means Passover. It comes from Exodus 12. And my prayer has been that these five stages have kind of framed up for us. What has been such a unique 2020 and it seems to continue to grow increasingly unique even with this past week. So in these five stages to identify where's the work of the Spirit. I think it's kind of a formation framework, a, a theological framework to help us come to this day, Pentecost Sunday. Where we receive the Spirit that's in step with the life that we're actually living. And this morning... I want to give you a metaphor, seniors, and as well, all the rest listening. Today, if you don't remember anything else about the charge on graduation Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, it's this. Graduates, I want to charge you to raise your sail and catch the Pentecost wind. Raise your sails. And as you raise the sail, what we're going to see here in Acts chapter 2 is, we're going to see that the wind of that spirit pulls us to three realities that I think are very, very significant in shaping our lives. So, look at Acts 2, beginning in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came. Now, that word Pentecost means 50th, so we're 50 days removed from Resurrection Weekend. Does it feel like, it feels like it's been 150 days since Easter, doesn't it? (laughs) Like, it feels like it's been really long, but it's only been 50 days since Resurrection Weekend. And so, on the 50th day, since Passover, this was a commonly held Jewish festival. It would have been, think of it like a bit like 4th of July, back when we used to be able to gather in large groups. Think of 4th of July back in 2019 or 2018, when there would be people gathering from all kinds of locations together in one setting. That's what's going on at Pentecost. People from all around coming to the city of Jerusalem. They were all together in one place. Look at verse 2, suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, look back there. Verse two, do you see it says a sound like the blowing of a violent wind? Verse three says, seemed to be tongues of fire. See, metaphor is the language of when the finite is grasping to get a hold of the infinite. Or to say it another way, it's, it's our limited human abilities trying to grab a hold of a limitless God. So, it's not that it's exactly a violent wind. Notice the text says, like a violent wind, and it seemed to be tongues of fire. So, Language is limited in its ability to kind of get our arms around how infinitely great and glorious God is. Pentecost Sunday is one of those moments in the life of the church that would just be a sweeping reality. And the best Luke can do is say, I'm going to grab a couple metaphors. And the metaphor is there's a wind blowing, so we're going to raise our sails and catch this wind. It seemed to be like the blowing of a violent wind, seemed to be like tongues of fire. Look at verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think of Holy Spirit, three words to define Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence. Holy Spirit equals God's empowering presence. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. So as we lift our sails and catch the wind, here's the first of three realities that we're blown into. The first one is that God is faithful and you can trust Him to keep His promises. Where did God tell the people they needed to, where did He tell His disciples they needed to go and to stay? Jerusalem. Do you remember that? Last couple weeks, Acts chapter 1, God told the disciples, you go to Jerusalem and you stay in Jerusalem. Where did they go? They went to Jerusalem and they stayed there. Now listen, they were quite, they didn't, they couldn't understand why God would have them stay in a hostile territory like Jerusalem. So there was a big question mark. And sometimes, graduates, sometimes God's going to lead you into a space where you're not going to be able to connect all the dots. And right here, we're going to see, because they stayed, because they waited, because they obeyed in the question mark, then now they're in the position to receive the fulfillment of God's promise, Pentecost. Because they prayed, because they waited, because they stayed, because they did what God wanted them to do, guess what? They get to experience God delivering on a promise. I thought about, you know, Judas missed out on that. Judas ran out. He couldn't wait. He couldn't stay. He exited. This morning I was in John 20, and I was struck for the first time about how when Peter and Mary, and it said Peter and one other disciple, there were three of them at the tomb, and they came to the empty tomb, and and they go in, and they look, and they say, Jesus isn't here. Do you know there's only one who stayed? Mary. Peter and the other disciple, it says they went back may have been good reasons, but my point was they went back and only Mary stayed and she began to weep and she stayed right there at the tomb. And guess what Mary got to experience? The angel of the Lord coming and then the resurrected Christ meeting her there. And I thought of all the times in my life where I didn't stay and I didn't wait and I just ran ahead of God or just got tired of living in the question mark and just tried to solve it in my own wisdom and strength. And boy, there's a great lesson here. That even though the disciples, there's no way they could have imagined why Jesus would have them stay in Jerusalem. They had no idea how long. It ended up being 10 days they were together, and they had no idea what the fulfillment of the promise. He said, Acts 1-8, remember what he told them? He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the promise was, I'll send God's empowering presence. That was the promise. And now because they stayed and because they waited, they got to see God is faithful to his promises. And boy, seniors, there's going to be no lack in the next chapter of your life of threshold moments, crossroad moments, huge decisions, decisions that your parents and grandparents have been praying and building into you for years and years and years. You're not going to lack to be thrust into times and experiences where you can't quite trace the question mark you find yourself in but I want you to hold on to this. As you lift your sail and as you catch the wind, here's one of the realities you can hold on to. Anchor yourself to this. God is faithful to his promises. You can trust him. He will deliver. Pretty good chance he's not going to deliver on your time frame, right? Pretty good chance he's not going to deliver in the way you expected him, but deliver he will. And graduates, Hold on to this. Anchor yourself to what you do know. That's what the disciples were doing. Here's what they did know. Jesus said, stay and wait. They didn't understand why. Anchor yourself to what you do know while you journey through all that you don't know. And there'll be no lack of that. So that's the first reality as we lift up our sails to catch the wind. Now, stay with me here, verse five. We'll get into the second reality. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from underline your Bibles, every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own. Language. Now, isn't this amazing? So, here's Pentecost Sunday, and God already told them their mission in Acts 1-8 was they were going to wait for the Spirit to come, and then they were going to take the gospel to the nations. Notice God, His heart always being for all people everywhere. God waits for the nations to gather in Jerusalem, and then He pours out His Spirit upon them. Do you see that? So this is kind of the second reality as we lift our sails and catch the wind. We see that God's heart has always been for anybody and everybody. God's always had a heart for all peoples, all nations, all races, all ethnicities. Always his heart has been. Jesus died on the cross for all sin, and the Spirit is poured out at Pentecost for all peoples. And boy, if If there has ever been a Sunday that needs a fresh declaration of this in our land today, it's Pentecost Sunday of 2020. So I, like you, have had a difficult time scrolling through the overwhelming news feeds and video images of the week. I just snipped off a couple here that was we remember George Floyd's life and his tragic death. And the injustice around it, a 48-year-old man arrested in Minneapolis on Monday and enduring the kind of physical suffering while under custody that we all look, at, look upon and say, that's not right. And the Bible word for that is injustice. And I thought about um, all of my African-American brothers and sisters. You know, some of the closest friends in my life are African-Americans and, I thought about the waves of emotion and I thought about the amount of like what the anger that must flow inside at moments like this and how difficult it is for those in the Caucasian community to understand. I thought, how important right now. And I want you to hear, my African American brothers and sisters who are tuning in, I want you to hear this. Number one, I want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry as a Caucasian pastor and leader for all the times that I haven't engaged where the images is just kind of scrolled by, where it didn't capture and move to the degree it needs to. I'm sorry and we're sorry in the Caucasian. I'm sorry for all the times I haven't lifted up my voice. That it, it takes a, a George Floyd type situation or uh, the, the young man in Georgia, Aubrey, that hit, or you just go down the list of all the ones that never were hitting the newspaper headlines. I want you to hear loud and clear today that I see and we see. That I care and we care. That I want to help and we want to help. And that together... We want to we be able to band together in such a way and declare that by the power of the Pentecost spirit, we want to see racism end. We want to see it have an end date, and we'd like that to be now in Jesus' name. I text one of my uh, inner city pastor friends yesterday. I was just on my heart. Was praying and thinking about him, so I just text him similar words like this. I just apologize for all the times I haven't stepped up and engaged like I should and text him some encouragement. And his response back just, he was grateful. And, but he said, Eric, thanks so much. You're the only non-black friend who has reached out to me since Monday. Church, that's not right. And that needs to Change it needs to change now not next month not next year it's a complex issue has so many layers but one thing we got to do is we got to come together right this isn't just a black pastor, black church thing. This is an all Jesus followers thing. we got to come together as a faith community. we got to come together with the law enforcement community. we got to come together with the civic leadership community. we got to come together and band together and declare that this injustice and this evil needs to come to an end. And what's been on my heart, I'm praying for it this week especially, Ephesians 2.14. I put it in your notes. Because I think this text, I think this text can help inform us as Jesus followers. Because it's hard to know, like, how do we pray at a time like this? You know, Jesus in his day endured a lot of racism. They said of the Samaritans, they said that if a shadow of a Samaritan went across to you, if you walked through a shadow of a Samaritan, you were declared unclean. They would pronounce unclean. That's the racism that was going on in Jesus' day. And so Jesus' work came to deal with this issue. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians 2.14. Here's what he says about the work Jesus initiated. For Jesus himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Man, is that a great phrase right there? So here's our hope for destroying the barrier and removing the dividing wall of hostility in the races. The hope is in Jesus our peace. And we as his people moving out into the brokenness and darkness darkness of our world with this message that it's time for those walls to come down. Because when you raise your sail and you catch the Pentecost wind, here's what you find. You find the sail, you find your life moving in a direction of seeing people the way God sees them, of loving people, and it's moving towards inclusivity, and it's moving towards acceptance of races and ethnicities and nationalities and cultures. It's moving to a God's heart for anyone and everyone. That's a marker for a Jesus follower. And so, graduates, my charge to you on this point is, I happen to believe You might be the generation arguably most timely and most prepared for this moment. For you to step forward and to step in and to lead in a Romans 12 posture of this, that you decide right now, raise your sail, catch the wind, and decide this. You're going to overcome evil with good. You're going to do it. You're going to say when you come across evil, because that's what racism is. The Bible is called evil, darkness, injustice. It comes from the pit of Satan's mindset and hell itself. We don't have to wonder where it comes from. And then the Bible says, here's how you overcome it. Jesus came to defeat the powers of darkness. And graduates, you hold steward the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures, the kingdom of God, and you step into the darkness and you declare this is going to be overcome, this evil, with good. Romans 12, raise your sail and catch that wind and decide enough's enough. We don't need to see one more George Floyd video screen scrolling. We need to let this be the end. But it isn't going to happen. We don't have generations of leaders rise up, step in, and step forward. And I believe you're well prepared to be sent out into that. So as we raise our sails, we catch the wind, and we remember that God's faithful to his promises. He'll deliver. You can trust him. Even when you can't, in the question mark, understand why. Trust him. He'll come through on his promises. And then secondly, as you raise your sail and you catch the wind, you can know this. God's heart, it beats for anyone and everyone. Because a Calvary flowed straight to Pentecost. He died for all our sin at Calvary, and he poured out his spirit for all peoples at Pentecost. And that leads us to the third Reality. Look in the text here. Watch what happens. Verse 7 and following. Utterly amazed, they ask, because all these people are speaking in all these languages. Are, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? <laughs> then how is it that each one of us hears them in his own native tongue? So it'd be like us, you know, Hoosiers rolling into some other culture where it's like, well, aren't all these Hoosiers? We clearly have our own Midwestern dialect. And then you're thrust into a setting where you weren't normally able to speak that language and everyone is able to understand you. That's the level of utterly amazed. Like, what is going on? God is making sure that as the nations are gathered in Jerusalem, the nations hear his heart for anyone and Everyone. Then how is it that each of us hears, they said in his own native language, and then jump down to verse 11. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Verse 12, Amaze and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made much fun of them, and they said, they've had too much wine. So, You know, a couple weeks ago, I talked about my own COVID comfort food, you know, I'm like, I've been in the cereal bandwagon, which I appreciate those of you who've been sending me all your cereal commentary through that, and and, uh, some of you said that you didn't have COVID comfort food. You had COVID comfort beverages seem to have maybe gotten through your, you know, your times here, and this is like right here. The people are like, hey, what's going on here? It's like, it's only nine in the morning, and it appears these people have had too much wine. Look what happens now. Verse 14, Peter, are you kidding me? Peter stands up with the eleven. He raises his voice and addresses the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who lived in Jerusalem. See, that's where the gospel, it was Jerusalem-centered and Jewish-based. Do you see that? That was like the core of it. The racism issues that were a part of that day were it was always a Jewish-centered thing, a Jerusalem-based reality. And God's like, no, it was never intended to be just Jewish-centered and Jerusalem-based. It's supposed to be a God's heart for anyone and everyone. So they're going to go from Jerusalem now, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And we're here in North America as a testimony to that. God's faithful to fulfill that promise. And Peter stands up and says, hey, those of you who live in Jerusalem and you Jews, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Verse 15, these men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> so they goes on, and then he preaches the first sermon in the history of the church. If you look in your Bibles, it's a fairly lengthy section in Acts 2. It's the first sermon in the church of Acts. And about 3,000 people come to the altar and give their hearts to Jesus at the end of the sermon. The text says their hearts were cut by the Spirit, and they repented, and they confessed, and they believed, and they turned. And boy, when I think about our nation right now, do you know when you study revivals, do you know in revival history, crisis often precedes renewal? And when you think of COVID-19, everything that's going on, one of the things is, could it be God like setting up for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit? Crisis precedes renewal, and then hear this, and then right on the heels of that, repentance must come. And I wonder, just wondering as I was praying this morning, Lord, could it be that in the midst of all the racial reconciliation issues we're thrust into this past week, all the upheaval happening all around our nation, could it be a clarion call from God to repent? To get on our knees and confess where we've just tolerated something that's far too evil, far too long. And I wonder if the combination of crisis and repentance is somehow setting us up for a fresh outpouring. I pray so. Our nation needs revival. Our nation needs renewal. And God's people on their knees calling out for a fresh Pentecost wind of the Spirit. That it might be 2020, that we don't just talk about COVID-19, and we don't just talk about rioting in the streets of the cities, that we talk about this, an Acts 2 Pentecost wind that blew through our country and turned, like Peter saw, thousands and thousands fell on their face before Christ. Why not, church? Why not? Because if you lift your sail, here's the third thing you're going to find that Peter found, that God's the God of the unlikely and the available is anybody else struck by the fact that it's Peter? (laughs) Where did we leave Peter off? Do you remember just two weeks ago in Peter's life that he was the one who, you know, he got close to that really tense scene where they're arresting Jesus. And do you remember when the the little girl came up to where he's warming his hands over the fire? Do you know who he is? I, I don't know him. And he had two more opportunities. He had three opportunities to say, I'm a faithful follower of Jesus, and three times he denied him. And then after he was a threefold denier, he hears the rooster crow, he falls in a heap, and in his grief, he retreats back to fishing. In a sense, he becomes a bit of a quitter that way. He says, well, I must be off team Jesus. I'm thrown off team, I messed it up. I've screwed it up, messed it up, fallen on my face, did the very thing I vowed I'd never do. I'm off team Jesus, goes back to fishing. And so you've got Peter the threefold denier. You've got Peter the quitter. You've got Peter the failure. That Peter is the one. Is anybody else struck by this? He's the one standing up to preach the first sermon in the church and declare God's heart for anyone and everyone. That God is faithful to this promise as you can trust him. And his life is a living testimony of he uses the unlikely. All you need to be is available. Just be available, and it reminded me. And I put this quote in your notes. It's it's one of my favorite quotes that I think Peter probably lived into this stream pretty good. It's Mark Buchanan's quote. It's an answer to the question like, "What happened to that guy?" When you read about Peter's life, you go, "What happened to that guy?" Well, I would say he lifted his sail, he caught the wind, and he learned this. Buchanan says this, Our future, who we are becoming, where we are going, matters more than our past, where and who we have been. Our future has more power, hear this, to name us and define us than our past. Consummation swallows origins. Destiny, not history, is the ground of our identity. How does a prostitute named Rahab, a Moabite outsider named Ruth, an incestuous schemer named Tamar, an adulteress named Bathsheba end up in the birth line of Jesus? How does all that happen? Hear this. Because in God's economy, the person we become, not the person we have been, is the person we truly are. That's it, church, right there. And I believe there's somebody listening this morning, whether in this room or through the screen where you feel like you've failed so repeatedly that you're just off team Jesus. You feel like you're fallen, you've fallen on your face so many times there's no possible way God could use you. Somebody's listening this morning that's saying, God... You've given up on me, you've moved on, I've got too much brokenness, too much mess, too many failed whatever, I'm not enough for you, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not faithful enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not whatever enough, and you've just concluded you're done, God's done with you, and you're done with the hope and the dream. And I think somebody's tuned in on this Pentecost Sunday morning to hear this. That in God's economy, it's not who you have been, but it's the person you will become is the person you truly are in Jesus' name. If you've still got breath of life in your lungs, you're not dead, you're not done. And God's not done with the story. And so I wonder how many feel like Peter the denier and how many feel like Peter the quitter. How many feel like Peter the Failure. And Pentecost Sunday says, yeah, but but that wasn't the end. Actually, from this point in Peter's life, he raised his sail. He caught the wind. And there's not another blip on Peter's screen. He was one who they believe was executed for his faith in Jesus, crucified upside down. He didn't feel like he was worthy to die in the same manner of Jesus as Peter. Becomes a towering figure where there's St. Peter cathedrals in 190 nations. I wonder if you ever thought that when the rooster was crowing in his failure and his denial. Peter stands as a testimony to the unlikely and the available. Because it seems to be with God, those who feel least qualified, those who feel like not enough, those who feel like there's just no possible way, those who feel like God's just given up, appears like in God's economy, they're the ones that lift the sail the highest. They recognize how dependent they are. The wind catch. All you need to be is available. And so my final word to you, graduates. there was a sign in the Orlando Magic locker room. Back in their championship runs in the 90s, they were trying to get over the hump. Their coach put a sign up in the locker room and it said, Why not us? Why not now? So, seniors, graduates, I leave you with this Why not you? And why not now? Why not decide this morning, Pentecost Sunday morning, 2020? Decide today that you're going to raise your sail. Decide it right now. Raise your sail. Catch the wind of the Spirit. And if you do, you'll find it. It's going to move you towards what? God's He's faithful to His promises. You can trust Him. Graduates, that's why we have to be grounded right here. We've got to know the promises of God because life's going to get plenty complicated and difficult and messy. And you've got to know His promise. You trust Him. He'll be faithful to His word. Be a young man and a young woman of this God-breathed book. Trust the Word. Lean into the Spirit. And then, graduates, catch that wind that blows toward seeing and accepting and loving anyone and everyone, regardless of ethnicity and race and gender and culture. Be the generation that says, racism in Jesus' name, it has an end date, and it's coming down now. now that dividing wall of hostility is ending. And then lastly, simply raise your sail and be available. Because students in your young life, it's not the person you have been, but it's the person who you will become in Jesus' name that is the person you truly are. And I promise you this, if you raise your sail tall and you let the wind of the Spirit take you where it pleases, I promise you two things. You will be surprised often, but you will never regret it. You won't regret it. There is no God like our Pentecost Sunday God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the significance of this Sunday in the life of our faith. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for pouring out your spirit. Thank you for not leaving us. Just like you told the disciples, you were going to send the Spirit. And though they couldn't figure out why you'd leave them at such a critical moment that you left in order to acts to send the Spirit. So I just pray a fresh measure of blessing and outpouring of Pentecost wind of the Spirit, for our graduates in this room and those joining us online and the the rest of the families and those tuning in, there's someone today who feels right aligned with Peter the denier and Peter the quitter and Peter the not enough, but today they hear that in Jesus' name, all you have to be is available. Just lift up your sail for your God who's faithful to your promises. And help us to see what you see as you look across the peoples of this world. Move our hearts to beat with yours. Remove the dividing wall of hostility and make the two one. Help us to move out as instruments of peace. And bless these graduates to be the generation that overcomes evil with good. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.